All right, who's ready for the word? Yes, we gotta get real excited about that. Let's welcome our lead pastor, Pastor Joe, as he comes to the stage. Hallelujah. Wow, what an exciting night, thank you. Thank you so much. So glad to see so many of you here tonight to support those that are being baptized. Such an important thing. Thank you, Don. Appreciate that. So let's talk about some basic things before we actually invite those that are going to be baptized to come up here tonight. Um, those of you that are family members, friends, coworkers that might have come to support those that are going to be making a declaration of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ tonight, an outward expression of the decision that they've already made at some point in their lives. Amen? Amen. Let's consider this. There is a bottom line basic question that has tormented the minds of every human being that's ever lived, ever will live. And although this question may take a lot of different forms, the basic premise is the same. Why was I born? What am I doing here? What is the purpose of my life? How many of you struggled with that question at some point in your life? Amen. Now, this question is the reason why, or the motive behind, the formation of so many different religions, thousands of religions, thousands of systems of beliefs, rituals, and philosophies that have sprung up ever since the Garden of Eden, none of which has ever been able to be satisfactorily, none of them, none of those belief systems, those rituals, the philosophies have ever satisfactorily answered that question. It's only the Word of God, only the Bible, which is God's heart revealed to mankind, that can answer this question. According to the Bible, the purpose of man is deeply related, related in his relationship with God and the fulfillment of God's plan for humanity. Amen. We were created to know him, to love him. But most, most of all, as a result of those, to reflect him in our lives. This has always been God's plan for mankind. God created mankind in his image and in his likeness. And we're supposed to be a mirror that reflects him here on the earth. Amen. That's supposed to be what people see in the life of a believer. I remember my experience, and many of you have heard this over the years. My first experience with born-again Christians, you know, was at a, at a massive wedding. It was about between four or 500 people that were in attendance. I was catering this wedding. Many of you know that we used to be in the restaurant business many years ago. That's where I left all my hair. <laughs> and so this particular occasion, this was the first time I had any experience with one of those born-again, you know? Has anybody ever talked to you like that? Are you one of them born-agains? Yeah, that's us. And so I, I saw that these people, all four or 500 individuals, packed in this big, gigantic banquet room. And the peace and the love and just the atmosphere, I, I didn't know what it was at the time. I'm like, whoa, I, I've never experienced it. I'm thinking to myself, if this was my family, 400 of my family in this room, the police would have been here, the ambulance would have been here. There's no way there would have been this sweet atmosphere of just peace and love. And I recognize these people have something I have not experienced yet up until that point in time. 
they were reflecting the love of God. They were reflecting the nature and the personality of Jesus. That's supposed to be our everyday pattern of life. That was what God meant in the original creation. Nothing separated Adam and Eve from God, their creator, until sin came into the human experience. And all that we experience today that makes us uneasy, unsettled, unhealthy, unworthy, came into our lives because of sin. I'm not necessarily saying it's our personal sin, but because of sin being introduced to mankind, we're all subject to sin. And that's our nature until we receive a new nature from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And it's the very reason why Jesus had to come to earth to die in our place. And you could ask the question, why is sin such a big deal? Because sin takes us and deforms us, shaping us into something completely different than the beautiful creation that God designed us to be, a reflection of his love. It always comes back to love. Always comes back to love. Turn to somebody and say, it's all about love. Sin causes human beings to become totally confused about their identity. Throwing, a, uh, throwing every one of us into this desperate search for significance. And we do crazy things in our lives. We men and women do crazy things to find the significance. And it never satisfies our soul. Not until we collapse at the feet of Jesus. After we figure out, there's, there's no, I can't do this on my own. Cannot do this on my own. I'm never going to find contentment on my own. I'm never going to find peace on my own. And so once we go through all that craziness, and I, and I packed some, all that craziness into 27 years, and at the end of that 27 years, just, just a few years ago, um, <laughs> I finally realized the only place I'm going to find this is the same place where those four or 500 people Amen. found their peace. Amen. And I hope you find it too. When we come to that place to surrender ourselves to him, giving him the ability to come in and change things, to reform us, to transform us, to regenerate us. And sin is so damaging and so horrible in God's sight that it requires the ultimate consequence. And that's why Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Don't ever forget that. Sin requires the death of the sinner. However, God loves us so very much that he made a plan to pardon us from this death penalty on our lives by having someone else die in our place. Somebody has to die. Blood has to be shed because of sin. But because he loved us so much, he came in a physical body, the Lord Jesus Christ, born into this earth, an earth that is cursed because of sin. And he took our place. Amen. He pardoned us from the death penalty that you and I deserved. Amen. That is what is called salvation. Amen. When a person says, I'm saved, it means that they have been spared the death penalty that they deserved for their sin because someone else has paid the price Amen. and that person is Jesus. Don't ever forget that. In the Old Testament, a lamb, goats, bulls, animals, something had to die. Blood had to be shed. 
so that man could come into the presence of God on a very temporary basis. But then the Lamb of God showed up one day. John the Baptist, looking down the road, said, there he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Thank God that he showed up. Amen? Amen. So what is the definition of salvation for every human being? The real, bottom line, concise definition of salvation could be summed up in one word. Deliverance. Deliverance. But deliverance from what? Well, think about this. I don't know about you. When I hear that word deliverance, my mind goes back to the Israelites in Egypt. My mind goes back to the book of Exodus. My mind goes back to Moses, the Red Sea, all of that. And when the Israelites came out of Egypt, when they reached the Red Sea, Moses, under the inspiration of God, said, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. I want to read that again. I want you to listen. Moses said, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. In this case, God provided a physical deliverance for Israel from the armies of Egypt. But think about this. Salvation is a free gift. cannot be earned. All right? Notice what God told the Israelites. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Stand still. Don't move. Don't attempt to do anything on your own except believe. Except believe. We can't do it. We're, we're, we're tempted to do things. We're tempted to do good things with the, the goal in mind of getting God's attention. With the goal in mind of trying to earn. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. God said to the Israelites, stand still. You don't have to pick up a sword. You're not going to pick up a spear. You're not going to pick up a shield. Stand still and see my salvation. And he says the same thing to us. I picture. From that picture on the inside, I go to another picture of Jesus on the cross. His mother standing there. Other women standing there. John, the apostle, who it says loved Jesus and Jesus loved him. Had a special bond. Don't we think that John would have liked to do something to help Jesus? It's only natural. But all they could do is watch. All they could do is all they could do is stand still. Watch this. Put yourself there. All they could do is stand still and see the Lamb of God take away the sins of the world. And yet we try to earn that with our good deeds. Well, I'm going to clean my act up. I'm going to clean my act up so God will love me. No, no, no. You let God love you, and then he'll clean your act up. It's impossible for it to happen any other way. Say, well, aren't we supposed to do good things? Yes, after we come into relationship with God. Because we're in relationship with him, because we have received his love, because we've been delivered from the death penalty, then we do the good deeds that mean something. It's never a means of attaining salvation. It's always the evidence of having experienced salvation. Amen. Are you getting this? Yes. Are you going to listen up? Because there's a lot of people that are walking around in this generation right now. A lot of people walk around on the earth, not just here, all over the world, trying to appease a God, trying to earn points and brownie points. And maybe if I do this, I'll get into heaven. And maybe if I'll do that. I know there's a story. I don't know how true it is. If it isn't. Frank Sinatra, before he died, wrote a check out to the Vatican, thinking that that's going to be the thing that's going to get him into heaven. I don't know. I don't think God's ever been impressed with anybody's check. 
I pray that he found the truth before he took his last breath. You can't buy God. And salvation is a free gift. And that's how we come to him, by faith, by faith. Ephesians chapter 4, verse, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. I'm going to read to you from the New Living Translation. But God is so rich in mercy that he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Verse 6, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us, to, can point to us in all future ages as the examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards others, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. It's through Jesus that we come into relationship with the Father. Look at verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this, it is a gift of God. I like verse 9, the way it says it here in this translation. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. And that's what we want to do. We want to boast. We want to boast. We want to get in God's face and say, hey, look, I stopped doing this. I'm not doing that anymore. That's fine, but where's your faith? Are you trusting in the fact that you cleaned up your act? Because it doesn't work that way. And I hope if there's anybody here tonight that has fallen for that, that you'll wake up and come out of that deception. It's a lie. You cannot earn. You can't be good enough. It's impossible. You don't have the mechanism. With the, we do not have the mechanism within us. It's only by his grace. We, just like the Israelites, come to the end of ourselves. And after finally realizing there's nothing we can do, no way for us to change on our own, no way to disconnect ourselves from our past, are forced to stand still and see the salvation of our Lord. In the New Testament, the term salvation describes two essential components of a Christian life. First one, being delivered from the penalty of sin, which is eternal death. We quoted that before Romans 6.23. The second component, being delivered from mortality and given the gift of eternal life, John 3, 15. We're given that gift when we believe. Isn't that just like God? He's a God of love. He's he's just. He's fair. He's not going to put a burden on us that we can't do. So he makes it easy for us. Just believe. Believe. With all your heart, believe. Believe. That Jesus Christ is the one who went to the cross on your behalf, on my behalf. Believe. We can all do that. We can all do that. We may not all be able to get our act together, but we can all believe. Amen? Amen. When we place our faith in Jesus and all that he suffered for us on the cross, we receive freedom from the punishment we deserve. That is God's mercy. Not getting what we fully deserve. Mercy of God is when we do not get what we deserve. And let's be honest with each other, and let's be totally transparent tonight. Every single one of us, I don't care how good you are, I don't care what you've overcome on your own, I don't care how you got free from this addiction, that habit, all these other things, we all are sinners, and we deserve to go to hell. I know it's not a popular message, but it's truth. And we're not living at a time right now that we can fool around with frivolous, just fairy tale messages. 
We're not living in that kind of time. We're living in a very serious time. Times that the Apostle Paul said these are perilous times, treacherous times, times of darkness. You and I cannot afford to entertain fantasies. We need to know the truth, and we need to walk in the truth. And the truth is, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us falls short of God's standard. And the quicker we understand that and grab a hold of that truth, the quicker our heart will respond to the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. God unleashed the most powerful weapon on sin, and that was love. That was love. Love in the form of Jesus, who took that cruel punishment that our sin deserved and opened the door to God's heart for us. It was love. Love was a weapon of warfare that God used to defeat the devil, and it's the best weapon because it's totally foreign to the enemy. You didn't get it. You didn't get it. Love is the best weapon that God could unleash on our sin because the enemy of our souls cannot comprehend love. That's why it says that the devil was completely baffled when Jesus went to the cross. He thought Jesus was like him. Any minute now, Jesus will turn on them, wipe them all out, send them all to hell. Could not comprehend that kind of love. Could not comprehend God loving Adam and Eve when Adam and Eve turned on him. That kind of love. Did you ever get hit with that kind of love? It just doesn't make sense. Did you ever have a really bad day? And I'm not talking about bad day, somebody did it to you. Bad day where you're like, oh my God, I hope Jesus doesn't come back today. Because you know your life is completely out of order. You've walked in the flesh. You've indulged in every kind of sin possible. Did you ever have a day like that? Because nobody wants it. And everybody's like, no, not me. Liars. Did you ever have a day like that? And then God at a left field brings a blessing into your life. And you go, oh, I don't deserve this. Let me beat myself up for a couple of days. And maybe like, you know, two, three days from now, you can bless me. Because at that point, I'll feel like, oh, I earned it. But no, contrary to that, contrary to our human nature, he loves us. Pastor, what are you saying? that Because he loves us, I can just live my life in sin? No. No. But it's for our benefit that he doesn't want us to live our lives in sin. Because sin has consequences. Well, Pastor, I thought all my sins were forgiven when I came to Christ. They were. And no place in the New Testament does it say, stop this or you're going to go to hell, to a believer. But it does say that your adversary, like a roaring lion roams about seeking whom he may devour. And when we live a life full of sin, even though we're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and we're not doing anything to resist the sin, we open the door for the enemy to come. You know, God's not the only person you need to be concerned about. We have an enemy who looks for every opportunity to step into the life of a believer and to bring consequences. But he loves us, so he gives us the power to overcome that. John 1, 5 and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The darkness doesn't know what to do with light. Dark, darkness doesn't know what to do with love. God's love for Adam and Eve overwhelmed their sin. He promised a Savior who would once again reconnect mankind back to God. And that's the experience that you and I have had as believers. That's the experience that we're celebrating tonight with those that will come to be baptized. That is love in action. The enemy wants us to think that God is still angry with us. But in fact, the truth is, 
that his word, his nature, his character is an anchor of hope for our souls. God's love overwhelms our sin and makes it powerless. God does not identify us with sin, but with Jesus. In fact, God's love, like this big blanket, smothered our sin, suffocated it, so it wouldn't have any power over us anymore. And this weekend, we're so blessed to witness dozens of people obeying Jesus' command to be baptized. What are we actually celebrating? We're joining our brothers and sisters and declaring, we have been forgiven. Now, I'm not going to stand here and assume that everybody in this room has had that experience already of receiving forgiveness for your sins, of receiving salvation. I, I can't stand up here and just assume that everybody is already in, if I could put it that way. But let me ask you this question. Why would you want to live the rest of your life with that burden? Why would you want to live the rest of your life knowing that, God forbid, if you were to take your last breath, do you want to gamble with that? Do you want to gamble with your eternity? And all the while, it was so easy, just believe God, confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and your salvation is sealed, your eternity is guaranteed to be spent with God and not separated from God? Who wouldn't want that? So I want to offer that to all of us here tonight. I want to offer that deal, if I want to put it that way. Will you receive forgiveness? Will you step into everlasting life? If that's you, I'm going to ask all of us to pray together a simple prayer. Faith is simple. Faith is declaring with your mouth what you believe in your heart. And you're sitting here tonight. Unless you were dragged here or bribed to come or threatened, I have to believe you know a little bit about what this is about. It's about Jesus. It's about his love. It's about how he endured the suffering that you and I should have endured. And we should be grateful for all of eternity that we don't have to suffer what he suffered. That he took our place. Purchased our deliverance. Purchased our freedom. Purchased our relationship with God on our behalf. So I want everybody in this room, if you have a willing heart right now, to say this prayer with us, okay? And never going to get any simpler than tonight. Let's say this prayer together. Dear God, God, I confess confess that I am a sinner. sinner. And I know I cannot save myself. I believe by faith faith that Jesus, your son, son, died on the cross to pay for my sin. I I believe he arose from the grave and is alive right now. I turn from my sin. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to forgive my sin and to come into my heart. I trust you as my Savior. And I receive you as my Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. Now listen to me. If you prayed that tonight for the very first time, okay, you've been heard. Heaven heard you. 
Jesus, who's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, heard you. Heard you make that declaration of faith and honored that. You, from this night forward, can consider yourself a child of God. So I, I, I thought every person on the earth is a child of God. No. Every person on the earth is a creation of God. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 12 says that we need to receive him. And to all who received him, which is what you did, to them he gave the right to become children of God. You have to make a choice to become a child of God. You had no choice when you were born. You had no choice to what parents you would be born to. You had no choice at what time and what place you would be born. But you have a choice of how you're going to be reborn. Amen? Amen. So before leaving the earth, Jesus gave a command for us to carry out. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the New Testament baptism is a baptism of identification, identifying with all that Jesus endured for us, and a proclamation declaring that at some point in time, I made a declaration of faith with my words based on the faith in my heart. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died for me, and he rose again from the dead. I believe that. And to prove that I believe that, I'm willing to be publicly baptized in water, making this proclamation, this declaration. And as a wedding ring is an, is an outward sign that a person is married. As a military uniform is an outward sign that a person is involved in that particular branch of service. It identifies the individual. Similarly, water baptism is a symbol designed by God to identify a person as a disciple of Jesus Christ. It is an illustration of what has taken place in a new believer's heart, which cannot outwardly be observed. When you said that prayer tonight, for those of you that said that for the first time, we can't observe anything on the outside other than hearing you. But when a person comes and is willing to make the public declaration before all of you, this is who I am. This is what I believe, and I'm willing to show it by being baptized. Amen. Amen? Now listen, let's not take lightly what's happening tonight. Because this act, in many nations of the world, right now, as we're sitting here, is a death sentence to the believer. Well, you know, we take it for granted here, in our country, in our nation, even some of the Western nations, even in Europe. And you get baptized. Oh, it's time for a party. It's time for celebration. But in most of the world, especially in that 1040 window, the Middle East, China, India, even places in Latin America and South America, the persecution is fierce. And when a person, think about somebody in Iran or Pakistan, when they publicly get water baptized, they're marked. If death isn't the consequence, it's certainly loss of jobs, loss of property, loss of family. Let's remember that. Don't ever take this lightly. I pray that you don't. I pray that you understand the fullness. I pray that those that are being baptized tonight understand what you're doing. 
God honors this. This is a step of faith. So, those of you that are going to be baptized, please stand. Please take your place up, up against that wall there. Line up. Those of you that are here tonight, you're welcome to take as many pictures as you want. If you want to come up and stand up here, just don't get in the way because you're going to get splashed. Now, those the rest of you that are here tonight, please stay with us. Be part of the witnesses watching these people and giving evidence of their faith. And then afterwards, please stay with us as we, we have a little bit of celebration tonight after the service. Amen? Amen. If you stand, go ahead and stand. If not, you're welcome to stay seated. Whatever is more comfortable for you. Again, family members, if you want to take pictures, please come and take pictures. Hallelujah! 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God, praise God. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now listen up. Listen up before we go. There's some of you that prayed that prayer tonight for the first time. Some of you prayed that prayer as an act of rededication. It is extremely important that you tell somebody that you did that. Now, we're going to be dismissed in just a moment here. And we hope that you'll all, as many as possible, stay and have a cup of coffee with us and celebrate. But those of you that prayed tonight and received Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please, before you go that way through those doors, would you please come up here? And there'll be people standing up here on both sides. And just please let them know, I prayed that prayer tonight from my heart and asked Jesus to be my Lord. Or say, I prayed that prayer tonight to rededicate and recommit myself to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's so important. We'll give you a Bible to take home with you. Uh, we'll get to know who you are. We'll get to answer any questions you might have. If you need prayer for anything else while you're here, we'll pray for you. But it's extremely important that you tell somebody, I prayed that prayer tonight. Amen. 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 God bless you. I pray the Lord continues to bless you. I pray that the, the Holy Spirit would reveal himself to you more and more and more in these coming days. God bless you all. You're dismissed. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.